Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Hey church, if you're listening to this, um, I need to explain it a little bit. So today's message was, you know, I'm not bragging. It was really lit. It was really on. You know, the presence of God was strong. Uh, or I could be exaggerating, but it was good. It's good. I think a lot of people were blessed. Uh, however, um, the team was so blessed that they only press record at my second point. And so uh, we want to continue to upload the rest of the message up so that it can be a blessing to a lot of people. So I thought that instead of just scrapping the message, I would just give us a brief intro, a recap of point number one, and then our brilliant podcast editor, Sam, will be able to fix in point number two, and then the message will be able to take care of itself from that point onwards. And because it was such a good word today, I really wanted to just share with you guys again. And today's message is titled, Good Weight. And this message was birthed out of a personal time of waiting on the Lord. Some of you might or might not know this, but myself and Kat, we were scheduled to actually be back in Malaysia by now. But our work visa is still awaiting approval from the UK's home ministry. And so even as our trip is being pushed back, we really believe that God doesn't work with accidents. Everything is intentional. And so even though it looks like a delay, there is a lesson to be learned from this. And God began to speak to me about waiting. And how about in life, the question is not about can I wait, should I wait? It's about how long should I wait? Because waiting is inevitable in life. Uh, good things, um, you also need to wait. For example, you could be pregnant, but you still need to wait nine months before your baby gets to see you face to face. You could have con come out from a brilliant job interview, but there still needs to be a waiting process before your first day at work. And even if you close the deal business-wise, it's going to take some time before the cash uh, comes in or the check gets cashed, however way you want to look at it. And so there is the right way to wait, uh, which is the good way, the God way, and there's also the wrong way to wait. The wrong way to wait simply is just to passively wait and when the thing doesn't happen, you just fizzle out and you just go like, whatever. Uh, but there is a good way to wait. And this is what I want to get into today. And so today's main text will be from Psalm chapter 37, verse 1 to 7. Psalm 37, verse 1 to 7. And allow me to read. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious because of wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and they will fade away like the green herb. But trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noon day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And that's basically Psalm 37, verse 1 to 7. And this is written by David, King David, a person who knows a thing or two about waiting. In fact, when you think about it, even all the Bible heroes, they had to go through the process of waiting. Daniel didn't immediately become chief advisor to the king. Joseph didn't immediately get promoted to prime minister. There was such a long period of waiting 
from the initial vision that God gave him. And in that process of waiting, he had to be sold into slavery. He had to learn to be a servant. He had to be wrongfully accused and thrown into prison. But the entire waiting period was to prepare him to become prime minister. Even Jesus himself had to go through a season of waiting. He was so excited to do the will of the Father and he found himself at the temple. But after that, he still had to be patient and wait upon God's perfect timing and only started his ministry when he was 30 years old. And the same thing with David as well. He was anointed king, the Bible says, when he was a young lad. In Jewish culture, we know that at 12, you are seen as a man. So young lad means that he was under 12. He could be 10, for example. And by the time he became king at 30, it was a long period of waiting, close to 20 years. Can you imagine waiting 20 years for a promotion? Can you imagine waiting 20 years for healing? Can you imagine at, 20, at 10 years old, you know, the dean of Cambridge comes to you and says that, man, you're so brilliant, I'm going to give you an offer, a verbal yes you can come to study in Cambridge University any course you want, but you can only do it at 30. Can you imagine what you must have felt when your friends started, you know, applying for the universities and your dad just holding on to faith, believing in the verbal promise given to you by the dean? And so the same thing with David as well. He was given a verbal promise by the prophet of God. And every time I think of David having that anointing at 10 years old and waiting to be king, I can't help but think of, you know, Simba in The Lion King when he started singing that song, I just can't wait to be king. I can you imagine like David singing that song, I just can't wait to be king. And at 12 years old, his voice starts changing, I can't wait to be king. And then later on, his voice drops at 15, he's still singing, I can't wait to be king. And then when his friends start getting married at 18, 19, 20, he's still going that, oh, I'm still holding on to this promise. But thank God he held on and thank God, God didn't shortchange him. In fact, God's nature is never to shortchange us. And so today, I want us to capitalize and realize that, hey, waiting is not necessarily a bad thing. It is a preparation time. It is a time where good things can happen. And there are four principles that we can draw from Psalm chapter 37, verse 1 to 7. And these four principles will be able to help us either understand why we are waiting. Uh, some of these principles later you will learn will help us to speed up the process because sometimes it, you know, we're not meant to wait that long. Or maybe some of these principles are things that we ought to do uh, because the waiting period and season could also be God's training ground for us. And so there are things that He wants us to master while we wait on Him. So point number one is this, do not worry. You know, the psalmist says again and again, do not fret, do not fret. And that's basically an old English way of saying, don't worry, don't be afraid. And so this is a word. If you're in the season of waiting, you could be praying for a breakthrough. You'll be praying for a job. You could be praying for financial provision. You could be praying for a healing. You could be praying for a life partner. And there is this season between your step of faith of faithfulness and the actual breakthrough. And in between that waiting period, what happens is that we get afraid. When the things that we're hoping for, when the things that we stepped out by faith for doesn't immediately happen, it's so easy for us to freak out. And God knows this. And the psalmist knows this. And that's why, you know, 
at the first verse, he says, don't be afraid. Understanding that the human condition is so easy for us. In the moment of waiting, as delay sets in, you know, we immediately start being afraid. And God is wanting to remind us this morning that, look, as much as you think you could multitask, your heart cannot multitask. Your heart cannot contain both faith and fear at the same time. And sometimes what holds us back is actually a lack of faith. When you think of all the healings that have taken place in the Bible, Jesus always says this, your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Your faith, your faith, your faith. What we need to understand is that faith is like the currency of heaven. And faith actually prepares us to receive our breakthrough from God. And the devil knows this. The devil knows that he can't change God's blessing, but maybe he can change our attitude. And if we begin to have a stinky attitude, it prolongs and delays God's blessing. You know, when we have fear, you know, it's opposite of faith. In fact, they are almost like the, the, the different sides of the same coin. When you have fear, it's being negative or expecting the most negative outcome in the face of the unknown and the uncertain. Faith, on the opposite, is having the most positive outcome in the face of uncertainty and the unknown. Think, for, for example, you know, some of us, when we were young, we were afraid of the dark. And the dark is something that we can't see into. And so if you have faith, you can go like, you know what, the dark, I can't see in it, but it's fine. It's just darkness. And one switch from the light, everything will go away. Or we can look at the darkness and, and when we give in to fear, the longer you stare at the darkness, the more you feel afraid. And in fact, you can even, you know, trick yourself into thinking that, oh, I think there's something moving in there. I think I hear something. And so, you know, faith and fear are, are, are two sides of the same coin and we've got to make sure that we, we have the right side and that the God side facing up. And the thing is this, you know, when we are afraid, it stops us from receiving from God. And you might be thinking, you might be thinking, hey, if God knows that fear disrupts his blessing, why does he still delay and cause us to be afraid? Well, for one very good reason. God is not looking for believers with a wishbone. He's looking for believers with a backbone. What we need to understand is that God also uses the waiting period as training ground for us to learn lessons and life principles. Like I said, waiting is a fact of life. We, we can't escape it. Whether good or bad, we need to learn how to wait in a good way, in a God way. You know, similarly, faith is also one of those big life principles that God wants to use every opportunity to teach us. And so if He only gives us everything we want, the moment we want it, that would not be faith. But when He teaches us to wait, we learn to overcome fear with faith. And so that's what we mean. God doesn't want us to be wishbone Christians who just go in and God say, I want this God, I want that, but to actually have backbone and go like, you know what, God, I'm not afraid of little waiting. In fact, it, it, the delay is only going to make me trust you more. So I'm not going to be afraid. Point number two, commit your ways to the Lord. I also understand simply telling the church, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, might not be helpful. You know, how many of you are like that? Don't be afraid, and then the more you're afraid. But how many know that God 
He's a good God. He's not just far away. He tells you, first of all, don't be afraid. But secondly, in verse 5 of Psalm 37, it says here, commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your ways. And, 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 and what does commit your ways mean? It means this. Take this waiting period to surrender your dreams to God. Because this waiting period could also be God's way of getting your attention. How many of you have had a conversation with your friend before and he or she just does all the talking and you can never get a word in? Come on, don't point to them. Don't point to them, okay? <laughs> but, but we've been there. You know, a person just goes, ah, blah, 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 blah. and you go like, oh, well, actually, uh, you know, and before you can give uh, advice, before you can even correct the person, the person just wants to, blah, 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 blah. and sometimes we are like that with God. God, I want this, and God, I want it now, and God, blah, blah, blah. and God says, well, um, I, I, I actually have a better plan. And so, because you didn't let me have a word in, I'm going to cause there to be a delay so they are forced to come back to me again so that you can commit your plans to me because let's go to verse 5. It says, Commit your ways to the Lord and He shall bring it, trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. I love it that there is no rejection anywhere in verse 5. Does it say, Commit your ways to the Lord Trust in Him and He shall weigh out and give you the best outcome. No, He shall bring it to pass. What it means is this, God's agenda is not to reject you. God's agenda is to repair you. And so sometimes you can think that this is plan, this is the best plan, this is the thing I want all my life. And then God says, really? Actually, I live longer than you, I'm eternal, I know better than you, I see things from all angles. And so, I don't want to reject you by allowing this delay to happen so that we can have a conversation so that I can repair your plans. So that I can refine your plans. Make it better. Improve upon it. And so, delay could be because the very thing that you're hoping for is not to say bad, but God wants to do it better. And God wants to give you a better breakthrough. Now, sometimes we're like that, right? Guys, especially, you go like, God, that girl, I want that girl, I want that girl, I want that girl. No, oh, I want that guy for girls. And God says, I'm not against you having a relationship, but I want you to have a better match. And so, the first thing we got to do is use the time to go like, God, I'm going to commit. Commit doesn't mean following blindly. Because sometimes we think commitment is, oh, I'm committed, I'm in a committed relationship, no matter what happens, we're together. Commitment is also about surrendering. Commitment. And so surrender your dreams so that God can refine it, God can advise upon it, God can improve upon it, but also commit your fears. You see, many times in church, we think that being a Christian means that we just deny fear. No, no, no. We don't deny fear. We surrender fear. There's a difference. This is not just a positive thinking club. There will be times where we are so gripped with fear. And even though point number one is do not be afraid, point number two is a follow-up point that even if you're afraid, this is what you can do. You can sur surrender that fear. You can commit that pain. Commit that frustration. Be honest with God. That's one of the best things you can do with Jesus. He loves you the way you are, but He loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. But He, wa but he, he wants you to know that you can be honest with Him. You know, and so I urge you, don't be afraid to bring your fears before God. 
You know, and, and the best thing to do with fear is to surrender it to God. You know, the, the person you know, that Jesus wanted to minister to, he had a son who was really demon-possessed and the disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus came and says, Lord, if you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean by if I can? All things, you know, no, nothing is impossible for those who believe. And, and he says, okay, God, help me overcome my unbelief. What he did there, even though it's just a statement, he basically surrendered that fear to Jesus. Jesus, I'm afraid. I, I don't know why. I went to your disciples. This is why it's working. But I'm going to surrender this fear because now you're here. So I'm going to surrender it. You know, pray. Are you praying for a life partner? Come on, get honest with God. God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of being single. I'm afraid I'm too old. I'm afraid I'm not pretty enough. Come on, get real with God. And God will begin to help you overcome that fear. You know, the worst thing is that after all that Jesus has done, you're still approaching before God and praying fake prayers. God, I'm, I'm fine. Everything is good. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, right. Come on. He, he went through it all so that we can be honest with Him. God, I'm afraid. God, I don't think I'm good enough. God, I'm, I, I came out from the interview. I, God, I'm so afraid because I feel I really messed up. And as you surrender that fear to God, God is able to bring the solution. God is able to bring the healing. You know, I had to surrender this myself as well. You know, like I said, as full of faith as you are, any delay will shake you up in one way or the other. How many of you here have traveled before? And how many of you have had a plane delay on you before? And how many of you here, even though you've checked in on time, you got all the right things, you got your passport, you got your ticket printed out, not just electronically, but the delay will cause you to doubt. That delay will cause you to look at the screen again. That delay will cause you to read the gate again. That delay will cause you to read the date again. That delay will cause you to move lounge areas to another screen just in case that screen froze. You know what I'm saying? And so, God is saying that, look, I know, I know delay can, can, can generate fear, but surrender. Don't, don't just, you know, uh, 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 bottle it up and stuff it down. Bring it to me. Talk about it. And so even though you're a pastor, and I'm just being honest, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering uh, my visa for approval. And uh, we not only surrendered it last week, we surrendered it in January, thinking that it will make it in time so we can go back for the anniversary. And not only that, we paid extra. Because they say that if you pay £400 per person, we can expedite it and make sure you get it back in 10 days. Uh, it's been 10 days <laughs> since that 10 days. <laughs> And not only 400, it's 800 in total because two of us together. And so even though, no, like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. But after a while, I'll be like, oh God, what if? You see, before that, I'm like, God, I know you spoke to me before. That I know when I will be in the UK until so I'm confident in your word. And then 10 days later, God, what if uh, I didn't quite understand your plan? What, what if when you say 2020, it wasn't really 2020. It meant like 2019 fly out. Like how? And so what did I have to do? I had to surrender. I had to get honest with God. Get down on my knees, get into my prayer closet. And then really, do you know what I was afraid of? Can I, can I share? Would you want to, well, I'm not sure whether this will shock you or inspire you. I hope it will inspire you. Uh, you know what I was afraid of? One of the things I was afraid of, not in a bad way, was that God was saying that, no, this is it. And even though I want you to be here until 2020, um, I'm intentionally not renewing your visa 
Because the longer you stay here, maybe the more complacent church will be. But if I don't renew this, and then you suddenly you're still serving, but you have to fly in and out, like how you did when you first came over, that would make everybody in church have to rise up. The leaders will have to rise up. Because it's not just the pastors doing everything. They've got to rise up to care for other people. They've got to rise up to build God's house. They've got to rise up to personalize this vision because it's no longer just Pastor Dave and Kat's vision. It's, it's my vision. And, you, and they've got to question themselves if this is their vision. And I'm afraid, but God, if you do this, some people will, might, might, might leave. We're, 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 we're at a, at a verge of breakthrough. God, no church is growing. We've got four locations. We're planning fifth location for homes. But, 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 and I feel God says that, yeah, but if people leave because you leave, then it's good that you leave. Because you're not building my house, you're building your house. Because this is not Dave and Kat's show, this is God's house. And if the pastors have unknowingly only pointed you to them, then your pastors have failed. Okay, so that's my real fear. I, I see some faces, some of you are very afraid. Oh, God, what if you really do this? <laughs> I just signed up for the core team, I didn't know you would involve this. <laughs> I thought I'd just come on Sunday and arrange some chairs. <laughs> what do you mean by we have to lead so that's why I fear. Just to be honest, you go, oh God, what if my understanding of my time here is different than your understanding? But what do I do? I have an honest conversation with God. I go like, God, why have that fear? And, I, and then as I surrendered that fear to God, I feel God says that, nah, it won't be so easy. Because I know what you're really afraid of, even more than the delay. You're afraid of summer. You're afraid of September 2019. When Sam graduates, who will lead the worship team? And I go like, yeah, God, that's, I'm more afraid of that then. <laughs> I'm more afraid of that. In fact, if I don't get my visa renewed, I can go out while I'm on top. <laughs> and then when nobody continues, I go like, oh, yeah, no, this, this core team, you know, look at them, look at them. You know, I've, I've still got a very good track record. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm worried. Will people rise up? Because Sam has done so much to be such a big blessing. Amen. And, but I, I want it to also be, you no know, worship team, not just to be Sam, but other people will rise up. Other people will rise up to care for people. You know, and I just have an honest conversation with God. And the more honest I commit my fears to God, the better I feel. And then the more easier it is for me to wait. So are you waiting for a breakthrough? Learn to surrender. Not just your hopes and dreams, but also your fears. Learn to get honest with God. If I can leave you one encouragement is this. Leave today being more honest with God. He will, he will do so much more when you're honest with Him than when you continue to put a mask in front of Him. Point number three, do good. While you're waiting, do good. In verse three, it says this. Let's flash out verse three again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. While you're waiting on the Lord, do good. When you're waiting on the Lord, dwell in the land. Unpack your bags. Don't let the delay of God's answer, don't let the delay of your breakthrough, don't let the delay of your healing, of your provision, postpone your growth. Your breakthrough can be on the way, but it doesn't mean that you can't grow in the meantime. In the meantime, David is saying that do good. Enjoy the moment. You're, you're, you're praying for God to, you don't have a job 
and then you, you're waiting for God to give you a job, use the free time that you have. Because once you get a job, you won't have that free time. So when you have that free time, do good. Make a difference with that free time. Are you waiting for God for something? In the meantime, serve. Serve in church. Care for someone. Pray for someone. Look out for someone. If you're thinking of finding the one, in the meantime, care for other people. And then that, that, that care and that love and that, that, that generosity and that maturity will help you to identify or help the one identify you. Because I don't know about you, but every godly man wants a godly girl. And every godly girl wants a godly man. And how do they gauge the godliness? They gauge how and they spend their time and, 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 because, you know, out, and, and what they talk about. Because out of you know, the, the, where your heart is, your treasure is also. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so do good. Amen? And i got this story to share with you guys. There's this missionary. Her name is Gladys uh, Allward. I hope I'm pronouncing it properly. I'll flash a picture up. Gladys Allward. Uh, maybe this week, uh, I hope to be able to find apparently where she used to stay. She's a missionary to China. Um, from the, I think, 1930s. This was pre World War II China. This was pre-communist China. This was uh, at the start of the new government China, the People's Republic China. Uh, and um, she, from London, North London, she went all the way there to be a missionary. And she braved uh, the journey, uh, sold everything that she had to take a train from Russia to China. Along the way, the Russian authorities tried to arrest her. She escaped them with the help of locals, got on a boat, sailed to Japan, and from Japan made her way to China because she just wanted to serve the Lord and share the gospel to Chinese people, even though she was not Chinese. And so God just given her love for the Chinese people and, and her ministry, working with another older missionary, was that they would set up an inn because people tend to travel back then from a village to the city to do trade. And so in between, they will stop at inns. They will provide lodging, hospitality, uh, some refreshment. And at the inn, she will not only cook for them, provide refreshment, heal their wounds, but she would tell stories. Because back then, there were no television, no radio, so people would sit around at night and she would say that, can I tell you a story? There's this man, his name is Jesus, and this is what he did. And so she would use that as a way to share the gospel and preach the gospel. And... She had one desire when she was serving the Lord there, because this is from her autobiography. She said, I had this one desire. I prayed to God. At that time, I wanted to get married. At 30 years old, I was still single. So I prayed. You know what she prayed? God, would you send an Englishman that he will sail all the way from the UK and to ask for my hand in matrimony. She just had this childlike faith to say, God, would you do that? And while she was praying for that, she did good. While she was praying for that, she didn't just go like, I want a man, I want a man. No, in, in, while she was waiting for God to bring the man, in the meantime, she set up an orphanage. And she started taking care of orphans. And she impacted at least 100 kids under her care. During her time, she worked with the local government that she was so respected and loved that they appointed her a food inspector. F-O-O-T. Food inspector. Because back then, food binding was a culture in China. 
and, 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 and they, will have, they had this strange fetish at the time where they would bind up the feet of little kids so that when they go through puberty, the, the, the feet will be stuck. And when girls walk around, they will look wobbly and, and some of the older men think that that was cute. And, and that was wrong. And so she told the government, and the government appointed her food inspector, so she'll go around the countryside rescuing kids, you know, rebuking parents because the law had changed to, you know, to make food binding illegal. She was involved in that. In the meantime, what good did she do? Orphanage, food inspector. She was the first to challenge the government with prison reform and say that we've got to learn to treat prisoners better. She did all that while waiting. And then the war broke out. But she didn't let the war stop her. She continued to do good. And she rescued 100 kids because war broke out. And I read this because later on in her life, she was so famous that Hollywood make, uh, made a movie about her. And, uh, and, and she was so upset in the biography. She says that, you know, I totally hated that because Hollywood made it look so simple. Just one train ride and I arrive in China. Hollywood simplify everything. You know, I'm, I'm dark haired, short. I speak with a thick North London accent. And she wanted, the reason why she only got sent to China at 30 years old was because she was delayed. She sent, went for missionary school, but because they said that your Chinese, you, you, you can't pass your Chinese, they couldn't send her out into the field. But she wanted to go anyway. So can you imagine in the 1930s, there was a, there was a missionary in China from the UK, trying to speak broken Mandarin with a thick North London accent. And so, they, Hollywood cast a beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed European actress as her. And then, not only that, but Hollywood showed that, oh, you know, eventually she fell in love with a general from, you know, from the Allied forces and she left the orphanage to go back to Europe with the general. And she says that, no. When the war broke out, I was still in China. And when the war broke out, I grabbed a hundred kids and we have to travel across the mountains to Russia to hide from the invading forces. Talk about doing good while waiting. And she was so appalled that at the end of the movie, she portrayed that she went, you know, she left the kids. She says that, do you, you know, and she says that, how dare they do this? I have never kissed a man. And until the day she died, she was still single. And you might be thinking, but pastor, that doesn't quite work with waiting. <laughs> but she achieved more in her doing good while waiting than she could ever possibly could if she had been married. You see, just because you're waiting doesn't mean that God will make you a victim of your circumstances. She didn't get married, but she was a mother to more than 100 kids. I can guarantee you if she got married, she wouldn't be a mother to 100 kids. But when she got married, she was a mother to 100 kids. She was able to love them wholeheartedly. Just because she didn't get married, motherhood was not denied over her. Do you see how God works? God refines your plan. Oh, okay. Okay, Gladys, you think, you, you think man, but you know what? You don't need to, be, to have a man to have that. I know what's your true desire to be a mom. And without a man, I can make that possible. And God made it possible. Do you see how? But in the meantime, you did good. You did good. And so I encourage you, are you waiting? Do you feel stuck right now? Don't despise your situation. Unpack your bags. Dwell in the land. 
and do good. Look around you. Who can I care for? Look around you. How can I serve? Look around you. How can I make the most of my life right now? Yesterday in Bristol, I was talking to a guy. He was sharing with me, Pastor, you must do this. You must do this. I said, do what? You must climb Mount Everest one day. He was sharing with me how he climbed onto base camp. And he says, that what, a, what a thrilling experience it was and how he changed his life. And I go like, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something I needed to do when I was single. But now that I'm married with a wife, I can't do it. Because my, because my wife, first of all, would not go with me. And my wife, secondly, would not approve it because what if something happens to you? Who will take care of me? And so, let that be an encouragement. There are certain things that you can do while you're waiting that you can't do when you arrive. You see, the, the people of God had manna when they were wandering 40 years, waiting 40 years for the promised land. The moment they went into the promised land, no more manna. So, so, so don't despise your waiting. There are, there's blessings hidden in your waiting season. There are testimonies waiting in your hidden season. All you need to do is do good and act out in faith. Point number four. Last point. And this point, if you master it, if you understand it, this has the potential to quicken and to, to quicken your breakthrough and to shorten your waiting period. Point number four, delight yourself in God. Let's flash up the scripture again. It says here, to delight yourself in God, right? And, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. I love it again. No rejection there. Just learn to delight. Do you know what could be stopping you? Sometimes we create our own delay. God's plan for the people of Israel wasn't 40 years. They created that delay. God's plan was 40 days. They created 40 years. Why? Because they forgot to delight themselves in the Lord. They made the promised land an idol. They made their freedom an idol forgetting that it was God who blessed them with that freedom in the first place. And so sometimes you're waiting, God, how come? I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been serving, I've been giving, I've been reading, I've been... God, how come my breakthrough is still not here? Could it be that you've made an idol out of your breakthrough? And God will not bring anything into your life that will remove Him out of the picture because God loves you too much for you to lose Him. And so, I, when I think of this, I, I, I feel an urge to encourage us as a church, you know, to make God, what does it mean to delight yourself in God? Basically this, come back to that place to, of making Him the number one source of joy and satisfaction. A lot of things can bring us joy and satisfaction, but God has to be the number one source of it. He has got to be the main reason. I've seen people who pray so hard for children and then unknowingly children, which a life which is good, becomes their idol. I've seen friends who, the moment they have a family, they stop serving. And their children becomes an idol. The moment they have a relationship, they stop serving. That relationship becomes an idol. The moment they get a job, they stop serving because that job has become an idol. And God sometimes loves you too much, so He's delaying and saying, that, you know what, I need you to get that heart right. Otherwise, when I bring this blessing, your heart will not be able to handle it. And this job, this breakthrough, this healing, this provision, instead of blessing you, it will mess you. And I love you too much 
to see you get messed up. So I'm delaying it until you get it right. And this has become so real to me, especially now that I'm training my dog. You see, I love my dog and I want my dog to go places. I want to bring her out. I want her to be able to run freely in the park. I want her to walk without a leash, to have freedom walking next to her master. But to do that, for her to have limitless time to explore Regent's Park, I need her to be obedient. So what do I do? I have a treat. And I'm teaching her commands. Before I can let you run out, I need you to learn how to sit. So sit, ballot, sit. And then when she gets it right, and only when she gets it right, I give her a treat. And then it moves on. Okay, sit is not enough because I want you to run around. You know, so I need to, to, I need to do other things. So I teach her other tricks like, like, like uh, you know, hand. So she knows how to give her hand now. I say down ballot, she knows how to go down now. And, and, and she knows how to fake going down. So now I have to go, go down, down ballot. And then she goes down, down and give her a treat. And now we're teaching her roll over. And so with a treat, she will roll over. But with no treat, she will not roll over. She'll roll over once, but then when she realizes there's no treat, she'll be like, hey. You know, we're teaching her to stay. I'm teaching her to touch things with the nose. So every time she touches something, I give her a treat. So, so where does the reward come upon obedience? What's my big plan for the dog? Freedom. More space. I, I don't delight keeping her in a cage cooked up. I want her to be able to run free, but for her to be able to enjoy freedom and breakthrough and blessing, she's got to get some of these priorities right. I've got to, first of all, be the master in her heart, not the playground. Otherwise, if this doesn't get right, she will go to the playground and that's it. And every other human being will be her new master. But until I get it right, I can't bring the blessing of Regent's Park to her. I know I'm talking about dogs, but do you, do you understand how this applies to you? You know, God is saying that, look, I have, you know, or, or, or don't use dogs, use human beings. You know, sometimes you, you've been there before at McDonald's, you see parents, you know, ask the little kid, no, can, can daddy have one little french fry? And then the kid goes there, yeah. And then the dad goes, oh, so happy. Instagram's all about videos, all about it, posts it up all over across the internet for the son giving that one fry. Say, look how generous my son is. And then you, sometimes you see other kids go like, can mommy have one fry? And then the kid goes, no. And even that no is so cute that they post all over it. But what the kid doesn't realise is this, that actually this person that you're giving one fry to, he brought you to McDonald's. He bought you the Happy Meal. And he has more than able to, to buy you a lifetime of Happy Meals if you only give him that one fry. Do you understand? When you make God the delight of your heart, you're not limiting yourself. You're opening up yourself to His full blessing. But we must learn obedience. We must learn loyalty. We must learn to put God in His rightful place. Because we've all been there before. Our studies can become an idol. Our success can become an idol. And God says that I don't want you to live that kind of life. I want you to live a life where you find delight in me because, boy, when you learn to be obedient, when you learn to know who, that I am your true master, man, I, I got so much more in store for you. I confess that over my dog every day. I go like, you have no idea the amount of bones I have in store for you. I got more bones to feed you than you have bones in your own body, dog. I have more cheats hiding behind my back if you will only obey the simple order. 
And so sometimes our delay is a delay of our own making. And I pray that you would search your heart and, and, and ask God and be honest with God and understand this. God knows your heart. You can't, you can't fool God. You can't go like, God, if you give me this, I, I will definitely, definitely, definitely love you back. No, no, it's always obedience first. I used to ask this about God. I use this illustration and I'll close today's message. I used to tell God, God, if you only bless me with one million dollars. God, one million! Can you imagine the tithe? When you look back, it's so silly. I'm asking God to agree with me how big 100,000 is. <laughs> and God is like, dude, 100,000 is nothing to me. That's spare change. That's spare change, spare change, spare change for me. And I'm there going like, God, if you give me $1 million, I can tithe to you 100000 Wow. But then God says that, how much do you have in your wallet? One. And God says, if you can't give the one, you can't give ten. If you can't give ten, you can't give hundred. If you can't give hundred, you can't give thousand. If you can't give a thousand, you can't give ten thousand. If you can't give ten thousand, you can't give hundred thousand. Many times we say, God bless me first. But God says, that, would you delight in me first? Because my desire is this, delight in Him, trust in Him, and He shall fulfill the desires of your heart. Amen? I pray that in this waiting season, and maybe this is a message for you today. Some of you are in a waiting season. Some of you will be in a waiting season. Or maybe some of you here, this word is for you to encourage your friend who is in the waiting season. I pray that the Word of God will come alive in all of our hearts. Let's pray. Father Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I just want to seal Your Word. And I ask, Lord, that You will remove every part, every example, every illustration that is not of You, and You will refine it to what is really of You. Lord, teach us how to go through a good wait. God, I pray that You help people here. If there are my friends here waiting, I pray that You will cause them not to be afraid, not to compare. Sometimes it's so tempting to look at people and to feel that we're missing out. God understands your fear of missing out. FOMO is not just a new creation. It's been around. It's part of the human condition. The fear of missing out causes us to do silly things. The fear of missing out causes us to deviate from God's plans. But God is saying that don't fear missing out. Don't look to your left, look to your right, look to me. I'm a good God. Come on, have faith instead. Have faith instead. Point number two, commit not just your hopes, your dreams, so that God can refine it, but also your fears so that God can solve it. Some of us here, our hands are clutched so tightly to our fears and problems that we don't have an empty hand to receive God's solution. Would you learn to surrender that fear so that you can have a free hand, an open hand, an empty hand to receive God's solution? Point number three, in your waiting, do good. There's blessing hidden. There is testimonies hidden. Don't let the delay of your breakthrough postpone your growth. And point number four, delight in the Lord. Make Him your number one. Make Him your number one so that you can shorten your delay and quicken the hand of God. Lord, I pray again for everyone here. I pray a prayer blessing over everyone who's waiting. I pray that you will give them the stamina to wait. But Lord, I pray that this will also act as a powerful self-reflection so that we don't wait unnecessarily long so that we can 
fulfill even in our waiting time the things that you desire us to learn, the, the things you desire us to grow from. Lord, again, I bless everyone who's waiting for healing, waiting for a breakthrough, waiting for a job, waiting for finances, waiting for a life partner, waiting for a promotion, waiting for a solution, waiting. Lord, I pray that you will again bless their waiting and let them have a God time while they're waiting on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship God together. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.